these they afterwards and catch up with those you've met this morning, maybe for the first time. If you have your Bibles with you, please turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. We're continuing our series on Be Hopeful and uh, continuing through 1 Peter chapter 3 next Sunday. Uh, Scott's preaching and it's the last in our series on uh, Know What You Believe and it's about angels and demons and Satan. So interesting topic next Sunday. That's our series, the other series that we've been running this year. But if you have your Bibles or iPhone or iPad or whatever, uh, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 and we're going to read from verses 13 to 22 in just a moment. We are... Can I just, there we go, it is good. The topic this morning is facing growing opposition. Facing growing opposition. We've been uh, looking at uh, what Peter's saying to these uh, early Christians about uh, when things are getting tough, how should we respond? And uh, the challenge that he brings to us, it is by the loveliness of our daily life and conduct that we must commend Christianity to those who still do not believe. And he talked about our relationships in the home, our relationships to government, our relationships in work and husband to wife, as well as in the community. And uh, And so what he's really teaching us, it's not life or words, it's our life and our words. And we're going to bring those two together this morning as we look at this passage as it's read to us. So 1 Peter chapter 3, 13 to 22, and Gerard's going to read that to us. Thank you, Gerard. One Peter chapter 3, verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. After being made alive, he went and made proclamation to the imprisoned spirits, to those who were disobedient long ago, when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Great. Thank you, Gerard. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. 
And this morning we sit under your word and ask by your Holy Spirit you would speak through it and that we would hear you knocking, we would hear your still small voice and we would respond in faith and obedience and that we would say, yes, Lord. So, Lord, help us to listen for you and help us to hear you, help us to obey you and as we do, may you transform us into the image of your dear Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Before I, uh, we uh, look at this passage this morning, uh, he was missing last week at the partners meeting, and uh, we had a gift for him uh, because he's uh, just concluded four years of being on the board as one of the leaders of Outlook Christian Church and also as the chairman of the board. And uh, we want to say uh, thank you to Lindsay Weber, who is here this morning. And so let's give him a big hand and uh, say thanks for all you've done and we'll continue to do in ministry here. God bless you. By our constitution, he's got to have a break after four years and has a year off. But he's allowed to come back after that. That's all right. Facing growing opposition. The other day I was um, driving down the road uh, and as I came around the corner, as I was coming down the road, there was this big truck with one of those half of a building on top of it. And I was sort of looking out the side as it pulled past. And then I went further down the road and there was this big truck, another big truck with a big trailer. And I looked at it and there was the bottom of the building on the tray and he was pulled over to the side. And as I came around the corner, there was the roof of the building on the road. Uh, somehow it had come off and uh, it hit two cars, the one before and the one behind. And out of nowhere, unexpectedly, on this beautiful day, they were driving uh, through Young's Crossing, not far from where I live. They had dumped on them the roof of a building off a truck next to them. And uh, so that's how your day can change, can't it? Uh, you know, from uh, a lovely, lovely drive, maybe going to the shops or going to work, and suddenly, kaboom, uh, a roof of a, of a building on a truck coming past you comes off. Fortunately, nobody was seriously injured, though uh, the cars didn't quite look the same on the side that they had hit. These uh, early Christians, and probably what's happening in our country too, uh, things were going fairly well, but there is growing opposition, and out of the blue, attacks were coming, and accusations were coming, and pressure was coming uh, on these Christians because of following Jesus. And the question is asked, well, how are we going to cope? How are we going to face this? And Peter is concerned for them, and so he's writing to them to encourage them and to help them to face it. How do I, how do I live? How do I respond? What should I do in the face of growing opposition? Now, some suffering comes in our life just for the fact that we are human. On Friday, I got a phone call. As I was driving along, I had my Bluetooth, so I uh, answered it, and uh, a lady who suddenly, her husband, uh, passed away very unexpectedly, uh, who from a previous church uh, rang me and asked whether I could do his funeral for him. And uh, she was in tears, and uh, fortunately I could remember her, her accent and her voice, as well as helpful if their names come up on your phone. And... <laughs> 
And, uh, and so, yes, we met with them yesterday and we're doing a funeral as soon as we get back from our holidays. And then the next day, yesterday morning at some unearthly hour, I get another phone call and uh, somebody in a previous church before that in Victoria rings up and says, uh, my mum, Tony, has just passed away. She was friends of... You looked over a little kid, our boys when they were smaller, and she always wanted you to do the funeral. Would you mind doing the funeral for Tony? She's passed away. As being human, sad things happen, death happens, sickness happens. But that's not what Peter's talking about here in, in the area of suffering. This is suffering because we're seeking to live for Jesus. And we're seeking to honor him and please him. And he's just talked about how we should respond at work and towards government and how we should respond to a, a non-christian boss or a husband or wife and how we should how we should live and so he says this who is going and notice all the underlying words who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good but even if you should suffer for what is right you are blessed do not fear their threats so you can catch the picture do not be frightened why am i telling you this because we're petrified but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then he goes on, verse 16, keeping a clear conscience so those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it's better if it's God's will to suffer for doing good rather than for doing evil. For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. And I was trying to get the whole thing in one slide, but I shouldn't have because you're missing the bottom of it. For Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous to bring you to God, is what it's telling us there. Notice all those, all those words that are underlined. Let me go back. Harm, frightened, threats, fear, slander, malicious, suffering are you and i because we've had a privileged opportunity in our western nation but it's probably going to change it's already changing we had an interesting facebook post because somebody put one of our leaflets in a letterbox that said no junk mail and so we had quite a terse Facebook post on our church's Facebook telling us you who read the Bible can't you read the d -d 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 sign on my letterbox if you can read the Bible why can't you read the d -d -d sign on my letterbox to put this in and I will do XYZ so we contact our delivery we've contact the other church who are using some of our deliveries we have uh, Lindsay has very kindly sent a nice reply back and apologized and we will talk to the people and I just remembered I need to just ask everybody if you happen to pick up some of our leaflets or envelopes and you're delivering them door to door and inviting friends please do not put them in letterboxes that have no junk mail on it uh, but I thought that's a little bit of a... So I know you don't think it's junk mail. You know, when I was younger, I was going, this is not junk mail, I'll put it in there. <laughs> uh, this is good stuff. But I didn't do it. But um, but there's going to become growing opposition. How do we handle it? How are we going to handle it? And we will suffer. 
Notice what Peter tells us. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? It's a sort of a rhetorical question. He's saying it's surprising. You know, normally if you're seeking to do what's good and what's right, most likely you won't get harm. However, if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. You're blessed because you're just like Jesus. Because he was doing the will of God and he was helping people. He was seeking to save the lost. He came into our world fulfilling the Father's purposes. And even though he did not sin and did not do anything wrong, he suffered unjustly. And so we're following his example. So we're blessed. We're followers of Jesus. And uh, Jesus warned us if the master suffers, guess what's going to happen to his followers? But here he's saying we need to be eager to do good. The word there is zealot, like people who are zealots for their country. And uh, we need to be zealots for goodness, zealous for righteousness, zealous for doing what is right and what is good. That's how we're to respond. In the face of opposition, as he's just told us as we looked at last week, don't respond kind to kind. When they threat, don't threaten back. When they accuse, don't accuse back. When they're horrible, don't be horrible back. That's the natural reaction. I'll give as good as I get. <laughs> you're going to speak to me like that, I'll speak to you the same. If you're going to treat me like that, I'll treat you the same. And what Peter's saying to us, what the Apostle Peter is saying to us, no, don't do that. We're followers of Jesus, not followers of them. Follow his example. Even though when he suffered unjustly, he did not retaliate. He did not give kind to kind. And we looked at that last week. So be eager to do good. Even if you suffer for what is right, even if you're doing the right thing and suffer, you are blessed. And then he challenges to keep a clear conscience because of our good behavior in Christ. That is, as far as it depends upon you, seek to have a good conscience before God. I'm now, there are times when we do the wrong thing and we need to ask for God's forgiveness and cleansing. When we do respond in our old ways, we need to come to God and ask him to forgive us. But his challenge is that we keep a good conscience. And he's just been telling us, we looked at that last week, in our relationships, how we react and respond, that we, to be like Jesus Christ, to have a good conscience, that we have good behavior in Christ, that we respond like Jesus, doing good, doing the right thing, righteousness. So what's the first thing? As growing opposition comes, the temptation will be to react like we used to react when we were in charge of our own lives. I remember this was a long time ago when I was just a young Christian. I was in ag college and uh, we started a little prayer meeting in my, uh, in my room after dinner at night time. And, and slowly, bit by bit, different guys came to know Jesus and we started this Christian group. And uh, I remember sometimes the other guys found out that we would we would be having a prayer meeting and they would get the, when they were allowed to have those, maybe we weren't, you know, those firecrackers and they would light them and they would come past the door and flip them on the door in the middle of the prayer meeting. They'd really liven up the prayer meeting, bang, and all these crackers would go off. And then I remember one night 
uh, these guys turned up and we came out of my room, about four or five of us came out of our room and there was this huge big rope on the floor and these guys standing around the stairway. And uh, I sort of stepped over. I was going down to the library to study and uh, and uh, Mort, who was a big guy, said, you're going nowhere, Merriweather. And uh, he said all the other guys sort of in the hallway, tie them up. And so they tied us up like a chain gang, all these Christians. There's only about four of us. Uh, tied us up like a chain gang and uh, were leading us out. It was winter in the Wimmera in Victoria and they're leading us out to the dam out the back of the... Um, out of the back of the... Uh, uh, where we lived and uh, I realized what was going to happen and so I'm taking my watch off and flipping my shoes off and, and they uh, took us out and it, by this time the whole college of 100 students came pouring out to watch this and uh, as I was going I'm praying Lord help Louis he's just become a Christian but boy I know his personality and if they push him too far, I know exactly how he's going to react. And, uh, and Lord, just help him to go with it. Because that's exactly what they were doing. There was one short, wiry guy. His name was, his nickname was Death. I can't even remember their problem, proper names. And he would wear all black with a white skeleton on the front. And, uh, in my first week at Ag College, he, he made life close to hell for me but he helped me to share my faith like nobody else. And uh, God used him in my life. But he was there. He was having a good time, laughing. They were, you know, and they took us out to the side of the dam. And then they said, throw them in. And so they were picking us all up to throw us into the, into the water. And I said, hang on a minute. Aren't you allowed to last few words before your execution? All right, preacher, preacher. So I just started to share my faith and got about halfway through. Throw him in! Throw him in! <laughs> and so they heaved us, throw us all in, and then they all ran off laughing. It was all sort of in good fun. And, uh, but that was because these guys had come to know Jesus. Now, that was all in good fun. I, I remember Mort taught me how to witness because I'd sit down in orientation week to have my lunch. And I thought, I'm a Christian, I should pray. So I bowed my head to say grace before the meal. And there's a hundred guys sitting in the auditorium. And he would put his hand under the table opposite me and bang the table till all the cutlery would rattle. And everybody would look. And I was starting to change colour. And he would say, wake up, Merriweather, no time to sleep, no time to sleep. But then do you know what? how he got me to share my faith? He would say, Merriweather, because you had to do what the third-year students told you to do. He said, Merriweather, see that heathen over there? You need to go to him and tell him something from the Bible. Well, so I just got up from the table, went over and said, Mort, over there, he wants me to tell you something from the Bible. So I quote him John 3.16. And I get back to, didn't eat, get much meal eaten. I get back and he say, that guy over there, he's a bit of a heathen too. You better go tell him something from the Bible. So I'd get up and go over and tell him something from the Bible. And so he gave me this idea. Let's put up a verse of the week on the, on the notice board. So for a whole year, we had a verse of the week on the student notice board. It was Mort who did it. He, he really tried to get us. And he was the guy who was trying to get uh, John, I think his name, John Brown, uh, to really react that day. Because in our old nature... If it's left to me, you'd react. You give me a hard time, I'll punch you in the nose. You speak to me like that, I'll speak back like that. But as opposition starts to come, 
what's Peter telling us? How should we react? That group of guys went back to my room and we prayed for those who threw us in the dam. And uh, we slowly saw a few others come to know Jesus and come part of the youth group that we had at the Church of Christ there. How do you respond? When you know you're getting a hard time from the boss, not because you're doing the right thing, but because you are a Christian. I remember the principal of the college when I failed a year by one mark and I had to repeat the year at Ag College. I spoke to the principal and he said, um, I noticed the subject you failed in is in so-and-so. He said, did you ever talk to him about Jesus, your lecturer? I said, well, yes. Oh, he says, oh, well, that explains the mark. That was it. All right, go on. <laughs> that explains the mark. So how do you respond? Peter is saying us, when they want to harm you, when you're suffering, when you're fearful, when you feel frightened, when they slander you, when they're malicious towards you, do not respond in kind. Be zealous for doing what's good. Do what's right and you'll be blessed. Keep a clear conscience because you're accountable to him, not to them. Live as Christ would want you to live, doing good, doing what is righteous, just like the Lord Jesus did. Someone said a saint is someone whose life makes it easier to believe in God. This how you respond and how you behave and how you react make it easier for someone to believe in God. There must be something different. He must have an extra strength or something's different about that person, the way they respond, because they don't respond like I'd respond, because I'm not responding like I would have responded. And so this is the challenge, again, coming through to us. It is by the loveliness of our daily life and conduct that we must commend Christianity to those who still do not believe. And so he's challenging us on our life, and now he's going to talk to us about our words. That is, both are important. How we live shows the gospel, makes it attractive. Because what he's going to say, people will see a hope in us and a joy in us and a purpose in us and want to know the reason behind that. And so our words will give the why behind the what of how we live. And so come to the middle point of this passage. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. So how do we respond to growing opposition? Make sure you have a clear conscience before God. Be zealous for doing good. And in your heart, revere Christ as Lord. In your heart, revere Christ as Lord. And Peter has in mind and is Quoting really uh, a passage from Isaiah chapter 8. And the picture is that the northern kingdom is being threatened by Assyria, a powerful army. And so they get this Syrian army to join with them, who are not followers of God, to try and stop this army. And they try to get Judah, King Ahaz, to join with them. <clears throat> and uh, God is saying to Ahaz, the king here, you need a greater fear for the Almighty. Don't disobey God to stop them. 
The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. Somebody asked Oliver Cromwell why he was so brave, because he was known as an extremely brave man. He could face any fear. He said, when you have a greater fear for God, there's no man you need to fear. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. You see, there is that reverence for God and that ultimate trust and commitment that he is sovereign. No matter the laws that are being made, no matter the things that are being done, no matter the opposition, they have limited power. They're humans just like you and me. There is one who is almighty, that heaven and hell are in his power, life and death are in his power. The future is in his control. In your hearts, reverence him, set him apart as holy in your life. And notice, revere Christ as Lord, as Yahweh, as God as sovereign ruler of the universe. And really when I know that my life is in his hands and he is in control, even when all the rest of the world is out of control, there can come a peace and a hope and a joy and a confidence in our life. And that's why he goes on to say, that's where we've got to start. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Have you come to that place in your life where you've surrendered and committed your life to Jesus Christ to be the master, the boss of your life. Because when he's in control, then I don't need to be as fearful about everybody else. Because in comparison to him, what are they? What are they? And then he says, always be prepared to give an answer, to give a response, to give a reasoned explanation to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, because I've seen it in your life. But do this with gentleness and respect. That is, this is where words come in. It's not just living a life, but we need to be able to explain why we live that way, why we respond that way, why we believe that. Always be prepared. That's why we've been doing this series on know what you believe. Do you know what you believe and why you believe it? Can you give an answer, a reasoned explanation? The word there is in the Greek apologia, which is where we get the word ap apologetics from, not apologizing for our faith, but to be able to give a reasoned response, the why behind what we believe. But we're to do it with the attitude of Christ, not to just win an argument, as if I've just blown your argument out of the water. <laughs> no, but do with gentleness and respect because we're not just wanting to win an argument, we're wanting to win them to Jesus. We want them to come to faith in Jesus. So we need to do it with strength under control, gentleness, not with arrogance, and with respect. I guess the... Um, the person I've seen do that the best is Ravi Zacharias. Now, that two books, if you haven't read them, can I encourage you to do it? We'll be doing a preaching series on Know What You Believe, but there is a second book in that series called Know Why You Believe. And uh, if you haven't read them, can I encourage you to read them? Uh, 
uh, so that you are prepared, so you know what you believe and you know why you believe it. And uh, if you want other resources to help you, this is a great website. There is an RZIM, it stands for Ravi Zachariah Ministries, and uh, there is podcasts. I listen to Let My People Think. I love that, Let My People Think. And uh, you can get it on your phone, little app. Uh, there's a place where you can ask questions and get feedback. There is even a training academy you can do online, uh, answering all the questions that people fire at us regarding the Christian faith. And if you've ever watched Revy Zachariah responding, he just does it with such gentleness and respect. I mean, in some public forums, he is attacked incredibly by some of the things that are said against him. And how does he respond? He doesn't respond in kind. Lord, help me to be a little bit more like Ravi. <laughs> you know, because so often you can get, how dare you say that? And you want to beef him in the nose. But he just responds with a great question. And he treats him with great dignity that you are a being created in the image of God, even though you're rebellious against him at the moment. And he takes his question seriously and he gives to give a reasoned response to his question. He's not trying to win the argument. He's actually trying to win him to Jesus. And so his response is with gentleness and respect, even though very often respect is not being shown to him, nor gentleness towards him in the comments or the questions that have been asked. And so that's our challenge as we face growing opposition. As the church that Peter was writing to may be a little bit similar to us. Although the opposition was a little bit close, it was already happening. And whether you've been dragged to court or whether it's in the workplace or whether it's in the home, this opposition's coming or whether it's from the government, whatever it's doing, how are we to respond? First thing is have a clear conscience before God in how you live won't be perfect, but seek to live a life that brings honor to Christ and reflects his character. Live righteously. Be zealous for doing what's right and what's good. But added to that, be ready and be prepared to respond with words, to give the reason why you have this hope and why you believe what you believe. And so we need to be prepared by reading the Bible ourselves. So we know it. And there's some incredibly good resources that I've mentioned that we can read and understand. So when people do ask questions or, or challenge us, that we can give a reasoned, reasonable response, but with gentleness and respect. Because the purpose of all that is for the gospel. Because that's why Christ suffered unjustly in order to bring us to God. And we're trusting the sovereign God to use our suffering, the attacks against us and how we respond, to actually help bring those who are attacking us to God as well. So our purpose is not to win the argument. Our purpose is to win them to Jesus and to faith in him. And how can we face that? Well, as we looked at before, if God is the shepherd and the guardian of our souls, in his love, he's caring for us, in his power, he's protecting us, and in his wisdom, he is guiding us 
and directing us in the right way, if we live in that reality, then we can face the growing opposition to the gospel. So be hopeful. Let's pray. Father God, we don't know what the future holds, but we do know that you hold our future. Well, that's our hope. And we want to reverence you and revere, revere you as our creator God, the ultimate sovereign of the universe. And no matter what happens in our world, in our life, in our community, that no one can push you off the throne of the universe. And the Bible teaches that we are seated with you in those heavenly realms. So, Lord, may that confidence and that hope and that assurance give us strength to live a life that pleases you, respond in a way that honors you, in order that those who even attack us and are horrible to us will come to faith in you. And we ask for your help to do that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to honour God with our tithes and offerings. If you're a guest here, if you fill out that Connect card, just put that in the offering container as it comes past. We'll sit for the first part and we'll stand to conclude the service. Darkness closes in, Lord, still I will.